Act Second of the Master Builder by Henrik Ibsen. Translated by William Archer and Edmund Goss. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Second A prettily furnished small drawing room in Solness's house. In the back, a glass door leading out to the veranda and garden. The right-hand corner is cut off transversely by a large bay window, in which are flower stands. The left-hand corner is similarly cut off by a transverse wall, in which is a small door papered like the wall. On each side, an ordinary door. In front, on the right, a console table with a large mirror over it well-filled stands of plants and flowers. In front, on the left, a sofa with a table and chairs. Further back, a bookcase. Well forward in the room, before the bay window, a small table and some chairs. It is early in the day. Solness sits by the little table, with Ragnar Bruvik's portfolio open in front of him, he is turning the drawings over and closely examining some of them. Mrs. Solness moves about noiselessly with a small watering pot, attending to her flowers. She is dressed in black as before. Her hat, cloak, and parasol lie on a chair near the mirror. Unobserved by her, Solness now and again follows her with his eyes. Neither of them speaks. Kaya Fosli enters quietly by the door on the left. Well, is that you? I merely wish to let you know that I have come. Yes, yes, that's all right. Hasn't Ragnar come, too? No, not yet. He had to wait a little while to see the doctor. But he's coming presently to hear... How's the old man today? Not well. He begs you to excuse him. He's obliged to keep his bed today. Why, of course, by all means, let him rest. But now get to your work. Yes. Do you wish to speak to Ragnar when he comes? No, I don't know that I have anything particular to say to him. Kaya goes out again to the left. Solness remains seated, turning over the drawings. I wonder if he isn't going to die now as well. As well as who? Yes. Yes, depend upon it, Halvard. Old Brovik is going to die too. You'll see that he will. My dear Alina, ought you not to go out for a little walk? Yes, I suppose I ought to. She continues to attend the flowers. Is she still asleep? Is it Miss Vangel you are sitting there thinking about? I just happened to recollect her. Miss Vangel was up long ago. Oh, was she? When I went in to see her, she was busy putting her things in order. She goes in front of the mirror and slowly begins to put on her hat. So we have found a use for one of our nurseries after all, Alina. Yes, we have. That seems to me better than to have them all standing empty. That emptiness is dreadful. You are right there. Solness closes the portfolio, rises and approaches her. You will find that we shall get on far better after this, Alina. Things will be more comfortable. Life will be easier, especially for you. After this? Yes, believe me, Alina. Do you mean because she has come here? I mean, of course, when once we have moved into the new home. Ah. Do you think so, Halvard? Will it be better then? 
i can't think otherwise and surely you think so too i think nothing at all about the new house it's hard for me to hear you say that for you know it is mainly for your sake that i have built it he offers to help her on with her cloak mrs solness evades him the fact is you do far too much for my sake no no you really mustn't say that alina i cannot bear to hear you say such things very well then i won't say it halvard but i stick to what i said you'll see that things will be easier for you in the new place oh heavens easier for me yes indeed they will you may be quite sure of that for you see there will be so very very much there that will remind you of your own home the home that used to be fathers and mothers and it was burnt to the ground yes yes my poor alina that was a terrible blow for you you may build as much as ever you like halvard you can never build up again a real home for me well in heaven's name let us talk no more about it then we are not in the habit of talking about it for you always put the thought away from you do i and why should i do that put the thought away from me oh yes halvard i understand you very well you are so anxious to spare me and to find excuses for me too as much as ever you can you is it you yourself that you are talking about alina yes who else should it be but myself that too as for the old house i wouldn't mind so much about that when once misfortune was in the air why ah you are right there misfortune will have its way as the saying goes but it's what came of the fire the dreadful thing that followed that is the thing that 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 don't think about that alina ah that is exactly what i cannot help thinking about and now at last i must speak about it too for i don't seem to be able to bear it any longer and then never to be able to forgive myself yourself yes for i had duties on both sides both towards you and towards the little ones i ought to have hardened myself not to have let the horror take such hold upon me nor the grief for the burning of my home oh halvard if i only had the strength alina you must promise me never to think these thoughts any more promise me that dear oh promise promise one can promise anything oh but this is hopeless hopeless never a ray of sunlight not so much as a gleam of brightness to light up our home this is no home halvard oh no you may well say that and god knows whether you are not right in saying that it will be no better for us in the new house either it will never be any better just as empty just as desolate there as here why in all the world have we built it then can you tell me that no you must answer that question for yourself what do you mean by that alina what do i mean yes in the devil's name you said it so strangely as if you had some hidden meaning in it no indeed i assure you oh come now i know what i know i have both my eyes and my ears about me alina you may depend upon that why what are you talking about what is it do you mean to say you don't find a kind of lurking hidden meaning in the most innocent word i happen to say i do you say i do that <laughs> it's natural enough alina when you have a sick man on your hands sick are you ill halvard 
a half-madman, then, a crazy man, call me what you will. Halvard, for God's sake! But you are wrong, both you and the doctor. I am not in the state that you imagine. He walks up and down the room. Mrs. Solness follows him anxiously with her eyes. Finally he goes up to her. In reality, there is nothing whatever the matter with me. No, there isn't, is there? But then what is it that troubles you so? Why, this, that I often feel ready to sink under this terrible burden of debt. Debt, do you say? But you owe no one anything, Halberd. I owe a boundless debt to you, to you, to you, Alina. What is behind all this? You may just as well tell me at once. But there is nothing behind it. I have never done you any wrong, not wittingly and willfully at any rate, and yet, and yet it seems as though a crushing debt rested upon me and weighed me down. A debt to me? Chiefly to you. Then you are ill after all, Halvard. I suppose I must be, or not far from it. Ah, now it grows light. Hilda von Gell comes in. She has made some alteration in her dress, and let down her skirt. Good morning, Mr. Solness. Slept well? Mm, quite deliciously. Like a child in a cradle. Oh, I lay and stretched myself like... like a princess. You were thoroughly comfortable, then? I should think so. And no doubt you dreamed, too. Yes, I did, but that was horrid. Was it? Yes, for I dreamed I was falling over a frightfully high, sheer precipice. Do you never have that kind of dream? Oh, yes, now and then. It's tremendously thrilling. When you fall and fall. It seems to make one's blood run cold. Do you draw your legs up under you while you are falling? Yes, as high as ever I can. So do I. I must go into town now, Halvard, and I'll try to get one or two things that you may require. Hilda, making a motion to throw her arms around her neck. Oh, you dear Mrs. Solness. You are really much too kind to me. Frightfully kind. Mrs. Solness deprecatingly freeing herself. Oh, not at all. It's only my duty, so I am very glad to do it. But really, I think I am quite fit to be seen in the streets, now that I've put my dress to rights. Or do you think I am not? To tell you the truth, I think people would stare at you a little. Pooh! Is that all? That only amuses me. Yes, but people might take it into their heads that you were mad, too, you see. Mad? Are there so many mad people here in town, then? Here you see one, at all events. You? Mr. Solness? Have you not noticed that yet? No, I certainly have not. <laughs> and yet, perhaps in one single thing. Ah, do you hear that, Alina? What is that one single thing, Miss Vangle? No, I won't say. Oh, yes, do. No, thank you. I am not so mad as that. When you and Miss Vangle are alone, I dare say she will tell you, Halvard. Ah, you think she will? Oh, yes, certainly. For you have known her so well in the past, ever since she was a child, you tell me. She goes out by the door on the left. Does your wife dislike me very much? Did you think you noticed anything of the kind? Did you notice it yourself? 
alina has become exceedingly shy with strangers of late years has she really but if only you could get to know her thoroughly ah she is so good so kind so excellent a creature but if she is all that what made her say that about her duty her duty she said that she would go out and buy something for me because it was her duty oh i can't bear that ugly horrid word why not it sounds so cold and sharp and stinging duty 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 don't you think so too doesn't it seem to sting you mm, i haven't thought much about it yes it does and if she is so good as you say she is why should she talk in that way but good lord what would you have had her say then she might have said she would do it because she had taken a tremendous fancy to me she might have said something like that something really warm and cordial you understand is that how you would like to have it yes precisely she wanders about the room stops at the bookcase and looks at the books what a lot of books you have yes i have got together a good many do you read them all too i used to try to do you read much no never i have given it up for it all seems so irrelevant that is just my feeling hilda wanders about a little stops at the small table opens the portfolio and turns over the contents are all these drawings yours no they are drawn by a young man whom i employ to help me someone you have taught oh yes no doubt he has learnt something from me too then i suppose he is very clever isn't he oh he might be worse for my purpose oh yes i'm sure he is frightfully clever do you think you can see that in the drawings <laughs> pooh these scrawlings but if he has been learning from you oh so far as that goes there are plenty of people here that have learnt from me and have come to little enough for all that <laughs> no i can't for the life of me understand how you can be so stupid stupid do you think i am so very stupid yes i do indeed if you are content to go about here teaching all these people well and why not no indeed mr solness what can be the good of that no one but you should be allowed to build you should stand quite alone do it all yourself now you know it hilda well how in the world did that come into your head do you think i am so very far wrong then no that's not what i mean but now i'll tell you something well i keep on incessantly in silence and alone brooding on that very thought yes that seems to me perfectly natural perhaps you have noticed it already no indeed i haven't but just now when you said you thought i was off my balance in one thing you said oh i was thinking of something quite different what was it i am not going to tell you well well as you please come here and i will show you something what is it do you see over there in the garden yes right above the great quarry the new house you mean the one that is being built yes almost finished it seems to have a very high tower the scaffolding is still up is that your new house yes 
The house you are soon going to move into? Yes. Are there nurseries in that house, too? Three, as there are here. And no child. And there never will be one. Well, isn't it just as I said? That— That you are a little—a little mad, after all. Was that what you were thinking of? Yes, of all the empty nurseries I slept in. We have had children, Alina and I. Have you? Two little boys. They were of the same age. Twins, then? Yes, twins. It's eleven or twelve years ago now. And so both of them—you have lost both the twins, then? We kept them only about three weeks, or scarcely so much. Oh, Hilda, I can't tell you what a good thing it is for me that you have come. For now at last I have someone to talk to. Can you not talk to her, too? Not about this. Not as I want to talk and must talk. And not about so many other things, either. Was that all you meant when you said you need me? That was mainly what I meant, at all events yesterday. For today I am not so sure. Come here and let us sit down, Hilda. Sit there on the sofa, so that you can look into the garden. Hilda seats herself in the corner of the sofa. Solness brings a chair closer. Should you like to hear about it? Yes. I shall love to sit and listen to you. Then I will tell you all about it. Now I can see both the garden and you, Mr. Solness. So now, tell away. Begin. Out there, on the rising ground, where you see the new house. Yes. Alina and I lived there in the first years of our married life. There was an old house up there that had belonged to her mother, and we inherited it, and the whole of the great garden with it. Was there a tower on that house, too? No, nothing of the kind. From the outside it looked like a great, dark, ugly wooden box, but all the same it was snug and comfortable enough inside. Then did you pull down the ramshackled old place? No, it was burnt down. The whole of it? Yes. Was that— a great misfortune for you? That depends on how you look at it. As a builder, the fire was the making of me. Well, but— It was just after the birth of the two little boys. The poor little twins, yes. They came healthy and bonny into the world, and they were growing, too. You could see the difference day to day. Little children do grow quickly at first. It was the prettiest sight in the world to see Alina lying with the two of them in her arms. But then came the night of the fire. What happened? Do tell me. Was anyone burnt? No, not that. Everyone got safe and sound out of the house. Well, and what then? The fright had shaken Alina terribly. The alarm, the escape, the breakneck hurry, and then the ice-cold night air for they had to be carried out just as they lay, both she and the little ones. Was it too much for them? Oh, no, they stood it well enough. But Alina fell into a fever, and it affected her milk. She would insist on nursing them herself, because it was her duty, she said. And both our little boys, they— They— oh. They did not get over that. No, that they did not get over. That was how we lost them. It must have been terribly hard for you. Hard enough for me, but ten times harder for Alina. 
oh that such things should be allowed to happen here in the world from the day i lost them i had no heart for building churches did you not like building the church tower in our town i didn't like it i know how free and happy i felt when that tower was finished i know that too and now i shall never never build anything of that sort again neither churches nor church towers nothing but houses for people to live in homes for human beings hilda but homes with high towers and pinnacles upon them if possible but as i said before that fire was the making of me as a builder i mean why don't you call yourself an architect like the others i have not been systematically enough taught for that most of what i know i have found out for myself but you succeeded all the same yes thanks to the fire i laid out almost the whole of the garden in villa lots and there i was able to build after my own heart so i came to the front with a rush you must surely be a very happy man as matters stand with you happy do you say that too like all the rest of them yes i should say you must be if you could only cease thinking about the two little children the two little children they are not so easy to forget hilda do you still feel their loss so much after all these years a happy man you said well now are you not happy in other respects when i told you all this about the fire hmm. well was there not one special thought that you that you seized upon no what thought should that be it was simply and solely by that fire that i was enabled to build homes for human beings cosy comfortable bright homes where father and mother and the whole troop of children can live in safety and gladness feeling what a happy thing it is to be alive in the world and most of all to belong to each other in great things and in small well and is it not a great happiness for you to be able to build such beautiful homes the price hilda the terrible price i had to pay for the opportunity but can you never get over that no that i might build homes for others i had to forego to forego for all time the home that might have been my own i mean a home for a troop of children and for father and mother too but need you have done that for all time you say that was the price of this happiness that people talk about this happiness hmm. this happiness was not to be bought any cheaper hilda but may it not come right even yet never in this world never that is another consequence of the fire and of alina's illness afterwards and yet you build all these nurseries have you never noticed hilda how the impossible how it seems to beckon and cry aloud to one the impossible yes indeed is that how you feel too yes i do oh, then there must be a little of the troll in you too why of the troll what would you call it then well well perhaps you are right but how can i help turning into a troll when this is how it always goes with me in everything in everything 
How do you mean? Mark what I say to you, Hilda. All that I have succeeded in doing, building, creating, all the beauty, security, cheerful comfort, ay, and magnificence, too. Oh, is it not terrible even to think of? What is so terrible? That all this I have to make up for, to pay for, not in money, but in human happiness. And not with my own happiness only, but with other people's, too. Yes, yes. Do you see that, Hilda? That is the price which my position as an artist has cost me and others. And every single day I have to look on while the price is paid for me anew, over again and over again and over again forever. Now I can see that you are thinking of... of her. Yes, mainly of Alina. For Alina... She, too, had her vocation in life, just as much as I had mine. But her vocation has had to be stunted and crushed and shattered in order that mine might force its way to, to a sort of great victory. For you must know that Alina, she, too, had a talent for building. Gee, for building? Not houses and towers and spires, not such things as I work away at. Well, but what, then? For building up the souls of little children, Hilda, for building up children's souls in perfect balance and in noble and beautiful forms, for enabling them to soar up into erect and full-grown human souls, that was Alina's talent, and there it all lies now, unused and unusable forever, of no earthly service to anyone just like the ruins left by a fire. Yes, but even if this were so... It is so, it is so, I know it. Well, but in any case, it is not your fault. Ah, that is the great, the terrible question. That is the doubt that is gnawing me night and day. That? Yes, suppose the fault was mine, in a certain sense. Your fault? the fire all of it the whole thing and yet perhaps i may not have had anything to do with it oh mr solness if you can talk like that i am afraid you must be ill after all mm, i don't think i shall ever be of quite sound mind on that point ragnar bruvik cautiously opens the little door in the left-hand corner hilda comes forward ragnar when he sees hilda Oh, uh, I, I beg pardon, Mr. Solness. He makes a movement to withdraw. No, no, don't go. Let us get it over. Oh, yes, if, if only we could. I hear your father is no better. Father is fast growing weaker. And therefore I beg and implore you to write a few kind words to me on one of the plans. He's, he's something for father to read before he... I won't hear anything more about those drawings of yours. Have you looked at them? Yes, I have. And uh, they are good for nothing, and I am good for nothing, too? Stay here with me, Ragnar. You shall have everything your own way, and then you can marry Kaya and live at your ease, and happily, too, who knows? Only don't think of building on your own account. Well, <laughs> well, then I must go home and tell Father what you say. I promised I would. Is... 
this what I am to tell father? Before he dies? Oh, tell him, tell him what you will for me. Best to say nothing at all to him. I can't do anything else, Ragnar. Well, may I have the drawings to take with me? Yes, take them. Take them by all means. They're lying there on the table. Thanks. No, no. Leave them here. Why? Because I want to look at them, too. But you have been... Well, leave them there, then. Very well. And go home at once to your father. Yes. I suppose I must. Ragnar, you must not ask me to do what is beyond my power. Do you hear, Ragnar? You must not. No, no, I beg your pardon. He bows and goes out by the corner door. Hilda goes over and sits down on a chair near the mirror. That was a very ugly thing to do. Do you think so, too? Yes. It was horribly ugly. And hard and bad and cruel as well. Oh, you don't understand my position. No matter. I say you ought not to be like that. You said yourself only just now that no one but I ought to be allowed to build. I may say such things, but you must not. I most of all, surely, who have paid so dear for my position. Oh, yes, with what you call domestic comfort and that sort of thing. And with my peace of soul into the bargain. Peace of soul? Yes. Yes, you are right in that. Poor Mr. Solness, you fancy that— <laughs> Just sit down again, Hilda, and I'll tell you something funny. Well? It sounds such a ludicrous little thing. For, you see, the whole story turns upon nothing but a crack in the chimney. No more than that? No, not to begin with. He moves a chair nearer to Hilda and sits down. Hilda impatiently taps on her knee. Well? Now for the crack in the chimney. I had noticed the split in the flue long, long before the fire. Every time I went up into the attic, I looked to see if it was still there. And it was? Yes, for no one else knew about it. And you said nothing? Nothing. And did not think of repairing the flue either? Oh, yes, I thought about it, but never got any further. Every time I intended to set to work, it seemed just as if a hand held me back. Not today, I thought, tomorrow, and nothing ever came of it. But why did you keep putting it off like that? Because I was revolving something in my mind. Through that little black crack in the chimney, I might perhaps force my way upwards as a builder. That must have been thrilling almost irresistible, quite irresistible. For at that time it appeared to me a perfectly simple and straightforward matter. I would have had it happen in the winter time, a little before midday. I was to be out driving Alina in the sleigh. The servants at home would have made huge fires in the stoves. For, of course, it was to be bitterly cold that day. Rather biting, yes, and they would want Alina to find it thoroughly snug and warm when she came home. I suppose she is very chilly by nature? She is. And as we drove home we were to see the smoke. Only the smoke? The smoke first. But when we came up to the garden gate the whole of the old timber-box was to be a rolling mass of flames. That is how I wanted it to be, you see. 
Ah, oh, why, why could it not have happened so? You may well say that, Hilda. Well, but now listen, Mr. Solness. Are you perfectly certain that the fire was caused by that little crack in the chimney? No, on the contrary, I am perfectly certain that the crack in the chimney had nothing whatever to do with the fire. What? It has been clearly ascertained that the fire broke out in a clothes cupboard in a totally different part of the house. Then what is all this nonsense you were talking about the crack in the chimney? May I go on talking to you a little, Hilda? Yes, if you'll only talk sensibly. I will try to. Out with it then, Mr. Solness. Don't you agree with me, Hilda, that there exist special chosen people who have been endowed with the power and faculty of desiring a thing, craving for a thing, willing a thing, so persistently and so, so inexorably, that at last it has to happen? Don't you believe that? If that is so, we shall see one of these days whether I am one of the chosen. It is not one's self alone that can do such great things. Oh, no, the helpers and the servers, they must do their part, too, if it is to be of any good. But they never come of themselves. One has to call upon them, very persistently, inwardly, you understand. What are these helpers and servers? Oh, we can talk about that some other time. For the present, let us keep to this business of the fire. Don't you think that fire would have happened all the same, even without your wishing for it? If the house had been old Knut Brovik's, it would never have burnt down so conveniently for him. I am sure of that. For he does not know how to call for the helpers. No, nor for the servers, either. So you see, Hilda, it is my fault, after all, that the lives of the two little boys had to be sacrificed. And do you think it is not my fault, too, that Alina has never been the woman she should and might have been, and that she most longed to be? Yes, but if it is all the work of these helpers and servers. Who called for the helpers and servers? It was I, and they came and obeyed my will. That is what people call having the luck on your side, but I must tell you what this sort of luck feels like. It feels like a great raw place here on my breast and the helpers and servers keep on flaying pieces of skin off other people in order to close my sore. But still the sore is not healed. Never, never. Oh, if you knew how it can sometimes gnaw and burn. You are ill, Mr. Solness. Very ill, I almost think. Say mad, for that is what you mean. No, I don't think there is much amiss with your intellect. With what, then? Out with it. I wonder whether you were not sent into the world with a sickly conscience. A sickly conscience? What devilry is that? I mean that your conscience is feeble, too delicately built, as it were, hasn't strength to take a grip of things, to lift and bear what is heavy. Hmm. May I ask, then, what sort of conscience one ought to have? I should like your conscience to be—to be thoroughly robust. Indeed. Robust, eh? Is your own conscience robust, may I ask? Yes, I think it is. I have never noticed that it wasn't. It has not been put very severely to the test, I should think. Oh, it was no such simple matter to leave father. I am so awfully fond of him. 
Dear me, for a month or two. I think I shall never go home again. Never? Then why did you leave him? Have you forgotten again that the ten years are up? Oh, nonsense. Was anything wrong at home? Eh? It was this impulse within me that urged and goaded me to come, and lured and drew me on as well. There we have it. There we have it, Hilda. There is the troll in you, too, as in me. For it's the troll in one, you see. It is that that calls to the powers outside us. And then you must give in, whether you will or no. I almost think you are right, Mr. Solness. No, oh, there are devils innumerable abroad in the world, Hilda, that one never sees. Devils, too. Good devils and bad devils, light-haired devils and black-haired devils. If only you could always tell whether it is the light or the dark ones that have got hold of you. Ho, 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 then it would be simple enough. Or if one had a really vigorous, radiantly healthy conscience, so that one dared to do what one would. I believe now that most people are just as puny creatures as I am in that respect. I shouldn't wonder. In the sagas, have you read any of the old sagas? Oh, yes. When I used to read books, I— In the sagas you read about Vikings who sailed to foreign lands and plundered and burned and killed men. And carried off women. And kept them in captivity. Took them home in their ships. And behaved to them like— like the very worst of trolls. I think that must have been thrilling. <laughs> to carry off women, eh? To be carried off. Oh, indeed. But what made you speak of these Vikings, Mr. Solness? Why, those fellows must have had robust consciences, if you like. When they got home again, they could eat and drink and be as happy as children. And the women, too. They often would not leave them on any account. Can you understand that, Hilda? Those women I can understand exceedingly well. Oh, perhaps you could do the same yourself. Why not? Live of your own free will with a ruffian like that? If it was a ruffian I had come to love. Could you come to love a man like that? Good heavens! You know very well one can't choose whom one is going to love. Oh, no, I suppose it is the troll within one that's responsible for that. And all those blessed devils that you know so well, both the light-haired and the dark-haired ones. Then I hope with all my heart that the devils will choose carefully for you, Hilda. For me? They have chosen already, once and for all. Hilda. You are like a wild bird of the woods. Far from it. I don't hide myself away under the bushes. No, no. There is rather something of the bird of prey in you. That is nearer it, perhaps. And why not a bird of prey? Why should not I go a-hunting, I as well as the rest? Carry off the prey I want. If only I can get my claws into it— and do with it as I will. Hilda, do you know what you are? Yes, I suppose I am a strange sort of bird. No, you are like a dawning day. When I look at you, I seem to be looking towards the sunrise. Tell me, Mr. Solness, are you certain that you have never called me to you? Inwardly, you know. 
I almost think I must have. What did you want with me? You are the younger generation, Hilda. That younger generation that you are so afraid of. And which in my heart I yearn towards so deeply. Hilda rises, goes to the little table, and fetches Ragnar Bruvik's portfolio. We were talking of these drawings. Put those things away. I have seen enough of them. Yes, but you have to write your approval on them. Write my approval on them? Never. But the poor old man is lying at death's door. Can't you give him and his son this pleasure before they are parted? And perhaps he might get the commission to carry them out, too? Yes, that is just what he would get. He has made sure of that, has my fine gentleman. Then good heavens! If that is so, can't you tell the least little bit of a lie for once in a way? A lie? Hilda, take those devil's drawings out of my sight. Well, 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 don't bite me. You talk of trolls, but I think you go on like a troll yourself. Where do you keep your pen and ink? There is nothing of the sort in here. But in the office, where that young lady is? Stay where you are, Hilda. I ought to tell a lie, you say. Oh, yes, for the sake of his old father I might well do that for in my time I have crushed him, trodden him under foot. Him too. I needed room for myself. But this Ragnar, he must on no account be allowed to come to the front. Oh, poor fellow, there is surely no fear of that, if he has nothing in him. If Ragnar Brovik gets his chance, he will strike me to the earth, crush me as I crushed his father. Crush you? Has he the ability for that? Yes, you may depend upon it, he has the ability. He is the younger generation that stands ready to knock at my door, to make an end of Halvard's Solness. And yet you would bar him out? Fie, Mr. Solness! The fight I have been fighting has cost heart's blood enough, and I am afraid, too, that the helpers and servers will not obey me any longer. Then you must go ahead without them. There is nothing else for it. It is hopeless, Hilda. The luck is bound to turn. A little sooner or a little later. Retribution is inexorable. Oh, don't talk like that. Do you want to kill me? To take from me what is more than my life? And what is that? The longing to see you great. To see you with a wreath in your hand high, high up upon a church tower. Come, out with your pencil now. You must have a pencil about you. I have one here. Very well. Now let us two sit down here, Mr. Solness. Solness seats himself at the table. Hilda stands behind him, leaning over the back of the chair. And now we will write on the drawings. We must write very, very nicely and cordially, for this horrid Ruar, or whatever his name is. Tell me one thing, Hilda. Yes? If you have been waiting for me all these ten years— What then? Why have you never written to me? Then I could have answered you. No, 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 that was just what I did not want. Why not? I was afraid the whole thing might fall to pieces. But we were going to write on the drawings, Mr. Solness. So we were. Mind now, kindly and cordially. Oh, how I hate— how I hate this Ruald. Have you never really cared for anyone, Hilda? For anyone else, I suppose you mean? 
for any one else yes have you never in all these ten years never oh yes now and then when i was perfectly furious with you for not coming then you did take an interest in other people too a little bit for a week or so good heavens mr solness you surely know how such things come about hilda what is it you have come for don't waste time talking the poor old man might go and die in the meantime answer me hilda what do you want of me i want my kingdom hmm. he gives a rapid glance toward the door on the left and then goes on writing on the drawings at the same moment mrs solness enters here are a few things i have got for you miss bangle the large parcels will be sent later on oh how very very kind of you only my simple duty nothing more than that solness reading over what he has written alina yes did you notice whether the the bookkeeper was out there yes of course she was there solness puts the drawings in the portfolio hmm she was standing at the desk as she always is when i go through the room then i'll give this to her and tell her that hilda takes the portfolio from him oh no let me have the pleasure of doing that goes to the door but turns what is her name her name is miss fosley pooh that sounds so cold her christian name i mean kaya i believe kaya come in here make haste mr solness wants to speak to you kaya fosley appears at the door here i am hilda handing her the portfolio see here kaya you can take this home mr solness has written on them now oh at last give them to the old man as soon as you can i will go straight home with them yes do now ragnar will have a chance of building for himself oh may he come and thank you for all i won't have any thanks tell him that from me yes i will and tell him at the same time that henceforward i do not require his services nor yours either not mine either you will have other things to think of now and to attend to and that is a very good thing for you well go home with the drawings now miss fosley at once do you hear yes mr solness she goes out heavens what deceitful eyes she has she that poor little creature oh i can see what i can see halvard are you really dismissing them yes her as well was not that what you wished but how can you get on without her oh well no doubt you have someone else in reserve halvard well i for one am not the person to stand at a desk never mind never mind it will be all right to lena now all you have to do is think about moving into our new home as quickly as you can this evening we will hang up the wreath what do you say to that miss hilda it will be splendid to see you so high up once more me for heaven's sake miss vangle don't imagine such a thing my husband when he always gets so dizzy he get dizzy no i know quite well he does not oh yes indeed he does but i have seen him with my own eyes right up at the top of a high church tower yes i hear people talk of that but it is utterly impossible 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 yes but there i stood all the same oh how can you say so halvard why 
You can't even bear to go out on the second-story balcony here. You have always been like that. You may perhaps see something different this evening. No, no, no. Please God I shall never see that. I will write at once to the doctor, and I am sure he won't let you do it. Why, Alina? Oh, you know you're ill, Halvard. This proves it. Oh, God. Oh, God. She goes hastily out to the right. Is it so? Or is it not? That I turn dizzy? That my master builder dares not, cannot, climb as high as he builds. Is that the way you look at it? Yes. I believe there is scarcely a corner in me that is safe from you. Up there, then. Right up there. You might have the topmost room in the tower, Hilda. There you might live like a princess. Yes, that is what you promised me. Did I really? Fie, Mr. Solness. You said I should be a princess, and that you would give me a kingdom. And then you went in—well— are you quite certain that this is not a dream, a fancy that has fixed itself in your mind? Do you mean that you did not do it? I scarcely know myself. But now I know so much for certain that I— That you say it at once. That I ought to have done it. <sighs> Don't tell me you can ever be dizzy. This evening, then, we will hang up the wreath. Princess Hilda. Over your new home, yes. Over the new house, which will never be a home for me. He goes out through the garden door. Hilda looks straight in front of her with a faraway expression, and whispers to herself, the only words audible are, Frightfully thrilling. End of Act Second